1: You know, last night I gave a shout out to a nice gentleman who came up to me while I was manning the AM 740 booth at the Zoomer show. That was on, uh, let's see, October 28th, Sunday. Well, I didn't have the time last night to tell you about another nice encounter I had there. My Lady Shirley and I were watching the entertainment just before my two o'clock shift at the uh, Zoomer show. I believe the group was called the Beach Party Boys, and they were terrific. And they'd just wound up their set when I felt someone tap on my shoulder to get my attention. I turned to be greeted by a face that looked vaguely familiar. With a twinkle in his eye, said, Uh, you wouldn't know an old Zoomer from London, would you? It took another prompt before the name and face and the memories came flooding back to me. It was my friend and former neighbor, Brian Budworth, who grabbed my hand. Now, the last time I saw Brian was 50 years ago. When While well, he was on the road as a salesman and before leaving on another sales trek of a few days, he put me and my roommate, John, in charge of getting his then-expectant wife, Carol, to the hospital should the baby arrive before he got home from his trip. Well, as I remember it, and I remember it well. The baby did want to see the world sooner than expected. And the bonus was the fact that his wife, Carol, was there too. So as well as uh, meeting a whole raft of Zoomer listeners, and boy, it was really great to talk to all of them too, Uh, it it was just a a wonderful time for me. Really rewarding meeting those two again after all those years. And their kid is 50 years old. Wow, look out now. How old does that make me? Never mind. Okay, let's see what's on tap this evening. Ah, yeah, another tale of intrigue and suspense with the shadow. And it'll be of particular interest to listeners who are fans of opera, as we'll hear about a tenor singing Pagliacci and the Shadow knowing something sinister is going on.
2: (laughs) Who knows
3: what evil lurks in the hearts of men?
0: (laughs) The Shadow knows. Thank you.
4: Mont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrong, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to the underworld as the shadow. Never seen, only heard. His true identity is known only to his constant
5: friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story The Tenor with the Broken Voice. <laughs>
3: Just the door
6: here he is. Pagliacci. it seems oh, to be the I like you this so is delightful. I'm so glad we're going to hear Pagliacci. It's my favorite opera. This beautiful,
3: Margot. You know, they say this young tenor, Hagen Radkoff, is a gorgeous voice.
6: I hear he's marvelous. He mm. should be
3: magnificent in that closing aria of the first act this is get a the We'd better go. Uh, That's why I
1: can let him get in. I don't
7: i going to I got a I not I can paga, take a ride
6: To you on the radio?
3: Don't you recognize it, Margot? It's the opera Pagliacci.
6: Oh, yes. And it's been broadcast from that same opera house where Hagen Radkoff's voice cracked during the closing hour of the
3: first act we heard last week. Yes. Too bad. Just as Radkoff had reached the end of the long ladder that leads to fame, the voice should fail. But, Margot, I'm not quite sure that we've seen the end of that tragedy. Why, what? what do you mean, Lamar? No, just that... A great tragedy invariably has repercussions. You might like it to throwing a stone in a quiet pond. There's never just one ripple, but a wave of them. Not, I'm afraid I'm becoming morbid. Who's <laughs> singing the tenor row in Toyotchi tonight? Carly yeah? it. oh, yes. Sid. he has quite a lovely voice, too, hasn't he? <laughs> this is that same aria that Hagen and uh, Rutgers' voice cracked on last week. Turn up the radio a bit, Margot.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, we regret that this brings the broadcast of Pagliacci to a close. There's been a at the opera! A sandbag fell from the ceiling, hitting Harley
6: Fist, the tenor, killing him instantly. Oh. We now return you to our studios. Oh, Lamont, how ghastly!
3: You see, my dear, as I said, the ripples of the stone falling in the quiet pond, starting to spread.
6: Then you think this has a connection with what happened to
3: Radcliffe last week? This is no time to think, Margot. I'm going to investigate.
6: Oh, Lamont, can the shadow never rest? Not
3: as long as crime and outrage never rest. <laughs>
9: Commissioner Weston? Yes? This is Clyde Burke of the Classics. Say, Commissioner, what about the death of Harley Fisk at the opera house last night? Uh, what about it?
10: A very regrettable accident.
9: Maybe. But listen, Commissioner, there's a story in here somewhere. Just the week before, Hagen Ratkoff was singing that same song when he lost his voice for a good. Yes, I know that. Well, we figured on running a story on how maybe that song is jinxed, and we wanted a statement from you. You know, they're planning to do the same opera again tomorrow night. Of
10: all the cheap sensationalism. You can't expect me to be a party to such a story. Why not? Good day,
8: Mr. Burke. Commissioner Weston. Chinese orders for the topic, attack. Yes. Hello.
11: Good morning, Commissioner Weston. Oh,
8: it's you, Shadow.
10: What do you want now?
11: I have some suggestions for you. You know, they are doing Pagiachi again tonight.
10: So I've been told. Weston,
11: you must be sure at least two squads of detectives cover every section of the opera house. I'm afraid there'll be trouble again during the singing of the closing aria.
10: No, I won't do that, Shadow. Weston,
11: you're a very foolish man. There's a catastrophe in the cards for tonight. You can prevent it if you follow my instructions.
10: General, I don't need you or any other man to tell me how to run this office.
11: Commissioner Weston, didn't your grandmother ever tell you that old saying, there are none so blind as those who will not see? My grandmother did, and again I say it is absolutely imperative that you have a detail guarding the opera house tonight. It's absolutely
10: ridiculous, and I'm too busy to discuss it any further. <laughs>
3: Isn't it exciting?
11: Did you read that story in the classic about the opera house, Yes, I did. You know, my husband usually goes to sleep every time we come here to the opera house. But tonight, my dear, he's positively sitting on the
6: edge of his chair. Oh, can you blame him? Well,
3: Henry, do you think the tragedies will repeat
12: themselves? Well, no, in a few minutes. Heard just about to go up on the first act. Yes, yes, so I understand. Oh, say, isn't that Commissioner Weston coming in? Oh, George, it is.
2: Well,
8: say, maybe there is something in this after all.
12: Oh, uh, good evening, Commissioner. Good evening. Good evening. You
10: here to try and stop another tragedy, Commissioner? Yes, There's nothing to that tragedy nonsense. I'm here solely to listen to the music, and I wouldn't have even done that if my wife hadn't insisted. Did
12: uh, you hear what he said? Well, I guess there's nothing to it, then.
3: We could have stayed home and paid big, too.
12: Yeah. Cutting by now. Cutting by Well, I wonder if it'll happen...
7: E tu, El Paso? E quale No.
2: The love
7: e la have been, the love that I have
11: They, yes! Is this is the voice of the shadow. Possibly the citizens of this city have more faith in me than the commissioner has. Clear the stage immediately and ring down the asbestos curtain.
13: He do what down the curtain.
7: Well, there goes the curtain down. I wonder what next?
11: Listen to me. Listen to me once again, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be afraid. There will not be another explosion. The fire will be kept backstage by the asbestos curtain. Begin leaving in orderly fashion. Obey the ushers, and no one will be hurt. As regards these calamities, you have my word as the shadow that I will not rest until I have solved this mystery of the opera.
12: Ladies and gentlemen, if the shadow makes a fourth step now, He'll be playing right into the hands of his enemy. And remember, every time you drive in the rain on worn, smooth tires, you may be playing into the hands of a dangerous skid. Who knows what may happen?
11: The shadow knows. Beware. Thousands killed or injured. Cars wrecked. That's the price American motorists pay every year when tires lose their grip and skid on wet, slippery pavements.
12: Yes, motorists. Don't risk that sickening, pit-of-the-stomach feeling that comes when your car suddenly swerves out of control. For remember, this new Goodrich Silvertown is the only tire with the lifesaver tread. The amazing skid protection that will stop you quicker, safer in a wet road emergency than you've ever stopped before. The nation's largest independent testing laboratory proved this by testing this new Silvertown against both regular and premium price tires of the five other leading tire manufacturers the engineers of the impartial Pittsburgh Testing Laboratory found that no tire tested, regardless of price, came up to the Goodrich Silvertown in skid resistance. And when you know that Silvertowns also give you the famous golden ply blowout protection, is it any wonder that it's called the safest thing on wheels? Put Goodrich Safety Silvertowns on your car now and play safe.
8: Gentlemen, we have called this meeting of the board of directors of the opera company because we feel that there now exists a crisis and we directors must come to an immediate decision.
2: You're all aware...
8: You're all aware of the regrettable events of the past week. Gentlemen, we must decide whether or not to suspend opera for the balance of the season. I call on Commissioner Weston, who has kindly consented to come here this evening, and advise me. Commissioner Weston. Well, gentlemen, I'm placed in an awkward
10: position. I realize that to close the opera house for the balance of the season will mean that a number of people will lose their jobs. Not only the stars, but many who can ill afford it. Stagehands, ushers, porters, extras, and many others who are necessary to an institution of this size. But, gentlemen, the
8: question is... Dare you continue? That is indeed the question, Commissioner. Gentlemen, Mr. Hagen Radkoff... ...has also considered to appear before us this evening... ...and give his opinion. Uh, Mr. Radkoff.
9: Gentlemen, my heart is very sad. Not only because I lose my beautiful voice... ...but also these tragedies that happen... ...when the opera Pagliacci is sung. But I do not think you have to close the opera house. It is only Pagliacci that was closed. Because if Pagliacci is never given again... ...these terrible accidents...
10: Yes, yes, that makes sense. Why couldn't we just eliminate Pagliacci?
11: Because, gentlemen, these tragic events are not accidents.
10: Who said that? I know that voice. The shadow is here. The shadow? Here?
11: Yes, gentlemen. Here in the shadows.
10: Shadow? What do you know about these tragedies in the opera?
11: Enough, Commissioner Weston, to realize the person who started this reign of terror will never stop until he is brought to justice. You would be content for a time if you discontinued Pagliacci... But the burning, blistering hate that motivates him... would force him to strike again and again.
10: Look here, Shadow. If you have any information, you're obstructing justice in not turning it over to me. In
11: present, Commission, I have only a theory. But I will solve these tragedies for you within the next 48 hours.
9: Commissioner Weston, I do not agree with the Shadow. I believe Pagliacci is cursed... and that it is only that area that will bring tragedy.
10: Mr. Radkoff, although many times I don't agree with the Shadow... I must admit he has helped me solve many tough cases.
11: Thank you, Commissioner Weston. I will trap this killer for you, if you'll do exactly as I say. Tomorrow night, you must once again give the opera Pagliacci.
9: Gentlemen, have there not been tragedies enough? Shadow,
10: what do you intend to do if Pagliacci is sung again?
11: I cannot tell you my plans, Commissioner, but you must trust me. Remember, the shadow has never failed you yet.
10: Well, gentlemen, though I hesitate to advise you to do this, Nevertheless, in my opinion, this is a case for the Shadow.
11: Thank you again, Commissioner. But,
10: Shadow, if there are any tricks... There
11: will be none. Gentlemen, will you do as I ask? Will you give Pagliacci again a week from tonight? If you do so, arrange to keep Box 7 vacant. For Box 7 will be occupied by the Shadow.
8: We, uh, we had best take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? No, no, never. I beg no. your pardon, Mr. Radkoff. You have no vote. Only the directors are entitled to vote. But you cannot do
9: this. Pagliacci is just. It started by breaking my voice. Death will follow it every time. Mr. Radkoff, we no. know how you, you cannot feel. Do.
8: Understand uh, the strain you're under as a result of the recent events. Uh, but uh, try to calm uh, yourself. sir.
7: I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm sorry. Uh,
8: will one of you gentlemen assist uh, Mr. Radkoff to his home, yes, please? Yes, I'll be glad to. <laughs>
11: Margot Lane, calling Margot Lane. We have important
2: work to be done tonight. Meet me in front of the opera house at twelve thirty.
11: That is all. Good evening, Mike.
12: Kinda nice tonight. Ah, uh, is that. Sure hate to go inside and make me round. Well, Mike, aren't you a little scared having to guard the opera house at night after all them killings? <laughs> Well, I've been night watchman here at the opera house for going on eight years now. I ain't going to start trembling at this late, day. Eh? Well, I guess you're safe as long as you don't start singing that uh, mystery song. <laughs> I never better let hear that. The Wern of the Green is the only tune I ever sing. <laughs> well, good night, my lad. Let's make another inspection tour of the opera house.
3: Oh. Have a says for service. It's here up to the darkest spot in the world. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Who's that? I see you over there.
0: All right, Mike.
12: Oh. I I didn't know it was you, sir.
14: Come here a minute, Mike. I want to
9: show you something. Yes, sir. I was uh... oh, oh, don't do that, sir. Must have me.
7: Oh, the knife, sir. I... no one will
9: stand in my path.
3: Now I will complete my work in box seven.
9: electric cord runs from the asbestos curtain, and I connect it here to the powder. Tomorrow let the shadow call for them to lower the asbestos curtain, and his own
2: words will seal his doom. He will blow the opera house to pieces.
3: Well, Marco, the opera house isn't quite so bittering at this hour
7: so dark, it almost seems haunted. It is
3: haunted in a sense, Margot. Haunted perhaps by the ghost of the immortal Caruso... ...come to sing at last duet with his great friend come Lamont, look
6: over there. The body on the floor.
3: Oh, oh. The Watchman, instead stabbed. Killer struck again. Lamont,
6: when will this end?
3: If my plans work, tomorrow we'll see this atrocious murderer brought to justice. But
6: why? Why did he kill the Watchman? Probably
3: the Watchman discovered him before we arrived. But you'd better go home now. I'll send for an ambulance. Oh, Lamont,
6: please be careful. Don't worry,
3: Margot. The killer will not return tonight. You'll be here for tomorrow's opera. i have a ticket for you in box six. I will be in box seven, in the shadows.
10: Hello? Hello,
11: Commissioner Weston.
10: Well, Shadow, you don't seem to be able to do much about this opera killer. Thanks to my trust in you, the night watchman was almost killed last night. If someone hadn't given him first aid before the ambulance arrived, he'd surely have died. As it is, he'll only be... Well, he'll be unconscious for three days.
11: Weston, I gave that watchman the necessary treatment that saved his life. I will unmask the killer tonight's performance of Pagliacci. There
10: isn't going to be any performance of Pagliacci tonight. I'm going to force them to cancel it and close the opera house for the balance of the season. Winston,
11: you can't do that. You'll only turn this atrocious killer into other channels. It's at the breaking point now. Unless he is captured, he will soon terrorize every place of entertainment, the whole entertainment world. You must do as I say. I will see that no harm comes to anyone at tonight's performance. But only if you follow my instructions.
10: Well, I'm a fool to trust you, Shadow. What do you want me to
11: do? Arrange to have everyone connected with the opera company present at tonight's concert. All singers, even the members of the board. You personally assign their seats to them. And station a clothes man on each side of every one of them.
10: Well, all right, Shadow, I'll do it. But this is your last chance.
11: Unless I underestimate this murderous madman... Is indeed my last chance, Commissioner. Goodbye. Well, I don't
6: know. Oh, my dear. I didn't expect to find you here, Cosmiati. Aren't you terrified?
2: No.
6: I think the whole
3: thing was only a series of unfortunate coincidences. I
7: know, not know. After
3: all, if there were any danger, they
6: would hardly repeat the opera tonight. I heard a rumor that they were doing it at the request of the shadow. He guaranteed to catch the murderer tonight. Oh, isn't it thrilling? I can hardly
3: wait until the fatal aria's sung.
11: Is uh, everything
10: all set, Cardona?
11: Everyone connected with the opera company is present in the counter Commissioner.
10: I got two men detailed, each one of them. Don't seem to be no trouble so far. No, but the trouble never started until the closing out of the first act. Be on your toes. Yes, sir.
7: Third going up. Turn going up, please. Turn
15: going
7: up. going up. Turn going up. This is the fatal area now. <laughs> Don't to quel che dico,
11: the men to prevent anyone lowering that curtain.
7: You value your lives and the lives of everyone present. <inaudible> <inaudible> to shadow. Don't lower the curtain. Listen to him. Listen oh, don't to yes,
10: Commissioner. Take some in immediately. Get backstage and guard the ropes, the control, the asbestos curtains. Yes, sir.
9: Come along, you. Get back there and see no one touches that curtain. Now, Mr. Ratcliffe. I.
11: Yes, You. You look relieved you didn't expect Commissioner Weston to order the asbestos curtain lowered, did you?
9: What do you mean? You
11: didn't want it lowered until you had a chance to escape out of the theater yourself.
9: Why should I want to leave the theater? Because you
11: know that if the curtain were lowered, it would operate a switch and explode the dynamite you planted in this box. He
9: lied! The shadow himself planted the gunpowder in that box. He is the guilty one!
11: Very clever, Ratkoff. But how did you know there was gunpowder? I said there was dynamite! Ratkoff... You were the killer who has been terrorizing the opera house.
7: That's a lie, a lie! You were also one of the few
11: who knew that the shadow would be in Box 7. Radkoff,
9: you are guilty. <laughs> yes, yes, I did it. I did it. I lost my voice in this opera, and with it my chance to be the greatest to ever sing Pagliacci. But I swore then I would be the last that nobody else would sing it. I would have been too if it weren't for you. Curse your shadow!
11: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last of the opera murders. The stone has sunk at last to the bottom of the pond and the ripples are ended. The curse of this opera and the dangers attached to the performance have been removed. The people of this city may again enjoy the beauty of the music drama
2: without fear of death.
15: to a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow Magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand.
3: (laughs) The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows
1: Tune for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Since 1936, Harris had been a comedic mainstay and musical director of the Jack Benny program. Fay had been a frequent guest on programs such as Rudy Valley's. Now, their marriage provoked a 1941 episode of The Benny Show. The growing popularity of the Harris Fay family sketches turned the program into their own comic vehicle by 1947. And when announcer Bill Foreman hailed good health to all from Rexall on October 3rd of 1948, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show launched its independent life under Rexall's sponsorship with a debut storyline about the fictitious day the couple signed their sponsorship deal. Well, the show was a quick success. Let's hear tonight's episode entitled Fortune Hunter.
4: Good health to all from Rexall. (laughs) It's the Phil Harris, Alice Bay Show... ...presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products... ...and 10,000 independent Rexall Family Druggist. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall Family Druggist... ...brings you the Phil Harris,
12: Alice Bay Show... ...written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet... ...with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North... ...Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music... Yours truly, Bill Foreman, and
11: starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris.
4: Mr. Scott of Rexall has asked Phil to call the band together so that he might address them on a matter of importance. It must be very important, for Mr. Scott has been talking to the boys for over two hours. And as we look in, he is just finishing his speech. And in conclusion, gentlemen, I'd like to say that any resemblance between you and musicians is not only accidental, but downright malicious. (laughs) (laughs) Now then, are there any questions?
13: Yeah, who are you?
4: (laughs) I'm Mr. Scott. I represent the 10,000 independent Rexall dealers who pay for this program, and I'm here to see that you do your best for Rexall. Now, any other questions?
2: What's a Rexall?
15: (laughs) You must be pulling my leg. They can't be that stupid.
2: They
15: can, too. (laughs) Fellas, I'll explain what Rexall is. It's one of the world's foremost dispensers of pharmaceuticals.
2: (laughs) Furthermore, it's one... enough. That, that's enough, Harris. <laughs>
4: Their little minds are loused up enough up without your.
2: <laughs> I'll explain.
4: <clears throat> a number of years ago, a group of druggists formed a company. They needed a title to identify themselves. And after many months, they came up with a grand old name. You know what they called it?
2: Harry <laughs>
4: Harris, please, you talk to them. My ulcer is starting to nudge me.
2: (laughs)
14: Or or,
4: or better yet, Mrs. Harris, you talk to them.
14: Please, Mr. Scott, you're asking me to lose my self-respect. They won't listen to anybody.
4: If they won't listen to anybody, how does Mr. Harris keep them in line?
14: Well, there's one way. He gets behind a curtain and says, Now hear this. Now hear this. This is
2: Petrillo speaking. (laughs)
15: that work? Well, that depends. If their union dues is paid, they ignore that,
2: too.
4: (laughs) Harris, as the leader of this band, it's up to you to see that they play properly, even if you have to
15: teach them to read music. Them guys know how to read music. And I'll show you. Artie, read what's on your music stand.
13: Abby rents $2 per day. (laughs)
15: I mean the music. What does it say on the music?
13: Schirmer's book one for beginners. <laughs>
4: oh, this is ridiculous. Isn't there anyone in this orchestra who
15: knows what he's doing? Yes, there is. There is one man. My concertmaster, Mr. Remley.
4: <laughs> Remley? Why, that no talent slob. Would Wait a know?
2: minute.
15: Now, just a minute, Mr. Scott. Don't knock Frankie. He's a pretty smart kid. He knows music. Oh, we'll
4: soon find out. Remley, read that music you have in front of you. Say, please. (laughs) All right, please read the music. What music? The sheet of paper you have in front of you. The one with the black dots.
5: That's music? (laughs) I thought I was saying
15: spots in front of my eyes. (laughs) i have my glasses changed every week. Frankie, listen, now, will you cut out the clowning? Now, stop kidding. Mm -hmm. Now, read your guitar part just the way I wrote it for you. (laughs) Very well, maestro.
5: It says when you hear noises coming from the other instruments, you'll know the number has started. (laughs) Don't do nothing until the trombone player hits you in the back of the head.
2: <laughs> At which
5: point you count two, strum once, and put your guitar down before you get in trouble.
2: <laughs>
4: Harris, is that the way
15: you write the music for them? Yeah, I do all my own arranging.
2: Of course,
15: a little tough with the violin section. They can't read English, and i got to draw pictures.
2: <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
4: no wonder these musicians don't know anything. They've got a leader who knows even less. If you learn to read music and play yourself, maybe. Now, wait a, a the... minute,
15: just a minute, sir. I'm not only a fine instrumentalist, but I read music fluently. You do, eh? Huh? Let's see, you read this. Very well. It's in the key of D flat, which has five flats, is in the alla brave tempo with a fermata on the end chord, finishing with a big piatti. <laughs>
4: I'll be darned, he did it. I did it.
2: Oh, hey, Alice, look at me. I can read music. Frankie, did you hear that? I read the music. I read the real
5: Exhibitionist.
2: <laughs>
5: what are you trying to do, show the rest of us up? I'm not trying to show nobody up. I'm just, just trying
4: to. Prove gentlemen, 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 please, please. I'm tired of all this bickering, and I want it to stop right now.
14: Oh, please, Mrs. Scott, control yourself. And nobody asked you to butt in. Oh, oh, you. Oh. <laughs> so sorry, Mrs. Harris. I didn't mean to shout at you. What's wrong, Mr. Scott? You've been irritable all morning. Yeah, what's up,
5: Scotty? I hate to see you this way. Your usual miserable self.
4: <laughs> I apologize, Mrs. Harris. I'm all upset. It's a personal problem at home.
1: Your
15: wife can't stand you,
2: huh?
15: <laughs> How can you say a thing like that about such a fine person as Mr. Scott? If he's having any trouble at home, it's because he can't stand his wife. She's probably a nag who spends all his money, runs around with us. Wait a other minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm not having trouble with my wife. It's somebody else.
5: Your girlfriend, huh? <laughs> oh,
2: no,
4: no, we got along splendid. I'm <laughs> having trouble with my daughter, Marjorie. What's wrong? Well, as you know, she's only 17, and she's fallen in love with a man of 40. There's 23 years difference in their ages, and she wants to marry him.
14: Well, what's so terrible about that? When I married Phil, there was 23 years difference in our ages. The ones? Yeah. I happen to like older women.
4: <laughs> well, I-, I don't mind the difference in their ages so much, it's... Just that this fellow is a fortune hunter, and he's after Marjorie's
5: money. She's got money, (laughs) eh? I think I can help you, Mr. Scott. When this greedy fortune hunter comes around tomorrow, and I tell him that Marjorie is already married, but she isn't married, we're eloping in the morning. (laughs) You wouldn't object to your daughter marrying me, would you? No, no, I wouldn't object. I'd just rather see her dead. That's (laughs) all. Who cares what you think? Have Marjorie meet me at her bank, and we'll leave from there. <laughs> and you can send what we can't carry, so we'll... Oh,
2: shut up! up. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm in
15: the whole thing. Goodbye. Well, what's he sore about? I had a solution to his problem, but he wouldn't give me a chance to tell him whatever. Wait a minute.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute.
15: Wait a
13: minute!
15: <laughs> what are you doing, Artie?
13: I want it up for Alice's song. All right, Alice, start singing. Sing what? What are you playing?
2: What do you care? This fits with anything.
9: <laughs> Put another nickel in, in the Nickelodeon. All I want is having you and me. You'd want me to All I want is kissing you And music, music, music Closer, my dear, come closer The nicest part of any melody Is when you're dancing close to me So put another nickel in In the Nickelodeon All I want is loving you And music, music, music music begins. i uh-huh.
15: I've been thinking about Mr. Scott's problem. You know, it's pretty serious, and I think we ought to help him. I know one thing. I wouldn't want my daughter married to a fortune hunter.
14: Now you know how my father felt about you. (laughs) Um,
15: Oh, honey, when I married you, I didn't know you had money.
2: (laughs) By the time
15: I found out, it was too late to back out, and I have suffered through
14: it. (laughs) (laughs) Say, Phil, I have an idea. All we have to do is make Marjorie forget this older man she's going with. I know that, but how? Well, let's find a young, handsome, clean-cut, typical American boy that she can fall in love with.
15: Yeah, but after she falls in love with me, then what
14: happens? (laughs) I wasn't talking about you. But,
15: honey, will you listen to me? I'm the only one to make Margie forget this guy. If you remember, when I met her last year, she practically swooned over me. She had a terrific crush on
14: me. That's right. Poor weak minded child did. (laughs) Well, let's get over to the house and you can talk to her. Hey,
5: Curly, what makes you think you'll be able to get Margie to forget this other guy? Are you kidding?
15: What are you kidding? (laughs) Not kidding. I'm not kidding. Not kidding. kidding. I'll make her forget him like that. Before I married Alice, she was going with Tyrone Powell. Alice, tell him, how long did it take me to make you forget Tyrone? Ten years. Ken, i I've only known
14: you eight years. You still have two years to go, dear.
15: (laughs) And so, Mr. Scott, that's... Well, that's what we're doing over here. We want to help you. In short... As
5: long as you're not capable of handling your family affairs yourself, we'll do it for (laughs) you.
4: That's very nice of you, Remley. I appreciate your efforts in my behalf, and I'll thank you to keep your big
5: fat nose out of my business. Mr. Scott, uh, look, don't you want our help? Curly, don't ask him. Look, Scotty, we're going to help you. I don't want your help. You're going to get it whether you want it or not. Now get lost. we got work to do.
14: Please, Frankie. Mr. Scott, very often children resent interference from their parents, and we thought, well, perhaps, you know, we might make Marjorie understand. That's
15: right. Now, just let me talk to her for five minutes. That's all, five little minutes. Now, where is she? She's in the den. Do you think you can influence her? Scotty, five minutes with me, and you won't be able to take her out of the house without a leash. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Excuse
15: me. Oh, Filthy, here you go again, making a female happy.
2: <laughs>
15: Have some <sublime> female business. <laughs> yes, sir, I hope seeing me again doesn't stagger the girl. <clears throat> Uh-oh, there she is. Uh, hiya, Margie.
2: Hello, Curly. <laughs>
15: Got her on the ropes already.
2: <laughs>
15: I see, uh... You didn't forget me.
6: How could I? I once had a terrific crush on you.
15: Yeah, you did, didn't you?
6: Wasn't I a silly little child?
2: Well, I...
15: I wouldn't say silly. Uh, Discriminating is a better word.
6: Perhaps. But at any rate, it's all over now.
15: Is it, my dear?
2: (laughs)
6: I'm really in love. There's only one man for me, and that's Mr. Crail.
15: Crail? <laughs> is, is his first name Clyde?
2: <laughs> uh, Clyde Crail. <Krayle. laughs> How
15: do you like that? I always thought that was a name I made up. <laughs>
2: Say, Margie,
15: but look, honey, after knowing me, how could you even look at anyone else?
6: Because Mr. Crail is more romantic than you.
15: Oh, pull yourself together, kid. This Crail is just a preliminary boy. With me, you is messing with a main event.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Harris,
6: I know you were quite a ladies' man in your day.
15: (laughs) What do you mean... In my day.
6: Well, Clyde is ever so much younger than you. He's only 40.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
15: well, how old do you think I am?
6: You must be at least 42.
15: What do you mean? I'm... I'll settle for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, right,
15: why think about this older man when, when I'm available?
6: But you're not available. You're married to Mrs. Harris. And now, if you'll excuse me, I must finish writing this letter to Clyde. Goodbye.
15: Clyde, Clyde. The impossible has happened. Harris has been rebuffed. Oh, could I be losing my charm?
0: now?
15: <laughs>
13: Poor
15: kid must have astigmatism or something.
13: Well, Phil, how did you do?
15: Well, uh, well, practically had her in the boat, but she slipped the hook. <laughs>
5: Losing your touch, huh, Curly? I guess you're not as seductive as you think you are. I am, too, and
15: I'll prove it. It's just because I'm married. She's a nice kid, and she doesn't want to take me away from poor old Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll show you. Alice, all you got to do is to go in and tell Margie that you've given me up. I ain't gonna do it. (laughs) Honey, it's to help the girl and watch your grammar. (laughs) We're just pretending. If you tell her you're giving me up, she'll be amenable to my approach. She'll think that...
2: Amenable! <laughs> well,
14: it sounds crazy to me, but if you think it'll work, I'll try it. Good.
15: Now, Remley, you go inside and keep Scotty busy so he doesn't bother. Right. Us. And Alice, all you have to do is to tell Margie that you're giving me up, and she'll take the cue. And the rest is going to be a cinch. Now, go ahead. Wait a minute, honey. Look. Leave the door ajar. I want to hear Marjorie pant when you tell her the news.
14: Okay, dear. Hello, Marjorie.
6: Hello, Mrs. Harris. What are you doing here?
14: Well, I I have some news that I know will interest you, and I came to tell you. You see, I'm leaving Mr. Harris.
6: A very wise move.
15: <laughs> How the kids being subtle?
14: Well, Marjorie, you don't understand. I'm giving Mr. Harris up so you can have him. What would I want with him?
13: <laughs> she
15: doesn't want to appear anxious.
14: <laughs> now, look, dear, you needn't pretend with me. I know you want him. But I don't want him. You can keep him. I don't want to keep him. I'm giving him to you.
2: <laughs> I don't want
15: him. I wish they wouldn't fight over me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worth it.
2: Luggery.
14: Please take him. But I don't... Look, look, I'll make you a sporting proposition. You can have Mr. Harris and 13 points. (laughs) Don't palm him off on me. Why are you so anxious to get rid of him? I've outgrown him. That's why I'm giving him to you.
13: I've outgrown him, too.
2: Hear
15: them dames talk, you'd think I was an old girdle.
14: (laughs) Marjorie, why don't you take him? He's too old to make any trouble. He'll just lie around the house. No. He'll make a wonderful watchdog. He barks when strangers come in. I'm sorry, Mrs. Harris, but I already have a dog.
15: Bet he ain't got a pedigree like mine.
14: (laughs) Well, Marjorie, if you're not interested, I guess I'll run along. Well, Phil, Marjorie won't even take you... I know,
15: I know, I know.
14: I told you. Watch. I told you this wouldn't work. What we need is a nice boy her own age To take her mind off this other fellow Bill Bill, I know just the boy Who? Julius
15: Julius? I'd rather see her go steady with Cecil the C6 sea serpent Now,
14: Julius is a nice boy and he's just about her age But, Alice, don't, don't you... Don't argue Go call him and tell him to come over here Oh, all right <laughs>
5: Early, I don't get it. Why did you call Julius to come over? Well,
14: it was my idea. I thought we could use Julius to lure her away from the other fellow.
5: Fine bait. Would be kinder to throw her a hunk of doped horse
2: meat. <laughs> He's
15: such a contrary kid. How'd you get him to come over? I appealed to his romantic side. I told him I want him to make love to a beautiful girl. And I certainly wish he'd hurry and come because on. I- Well, it's about time you got here. Do you know what you're supposed to do?
13: Sure. You told me over the phone that you want me to take a pretty blonde away from a no-good fortune, hunter.
15: That's right. Now get started.
13: Okay, step aside. Miss Faith. fly with me and I'll rescue you from the clutching of this money man girl.
15: Alice <laughs> ain't the girl. It's Mr. Scott's daughter.
13: Oh, now you're after her,
2: money. It's not me. There's
15: another guy after her money and we want oh, you
5: Curly, to... Oh, what's the use? Marjorie won't even look at him. He's such an obnoxious little brat.
15: As himself, yes. But I've got an idea. Now, look, Julius. She likes my type. And I thought instead of being your usual repulsive character, that you could act like me.
13: Oh, instead of being repulsive, you want me to be nauseating.
2: (laughs) Never mind.
15: I do this myself, but I'm a little old for Marjorie. But she loves my personality.
13: She loves your personality? There's just one thing I want to know about this girl. What? How'd she get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Why should I get involved with this daffy dame? She's not daffy.
14: She's Mr. Scott's daughter, and she's a very nice girl. Please, Julia, do it for me.
13: All right, Miss Fay, I'll do it for your sake. I'll... Shh!
15: Julius, quiet. Here comes Marjorie. Now, remember, act just like me and you're a cinch. Okay. Oh, Margie, hi. Uh, I want you to meet a young friend of ours. Uh, Miss Scott, this is Julius Abruzzio.
13: Hello, Julius. Oh, come with me to Alabama. Come and meet my dear old Pappy. He's always boiled oats so happy, and that's what I like about that sound. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What the heck
15: was that?
13: Yes. Ain't I? <laughs> Do you think I'm cute, Julian? You'll have to ask me later. I'm too busy thinking about how cute I
2: am. Well, <laughs> you're, you're different than any other
13: boy I ever met. You're so unusual. You're so fascinating. You're so right. <laughs> American womanhood since
15: the Nylon 90s. Alice. Alice, please, tell me I don't act like that.
2: All right,
14: I'll tell you you don't. But you do.
13: Marjorie, prepare yourself for a thrill. I'm taking you out tonight. They've just beaten your gums, River. Come good. Audrey? Audrey? Yes, Daddy? Your
4: mother and I have reached a firm decision about this Mr. Crail. Who? Mr. Crail, your fiancé.
6: Oh, him. Daddy, I want to introduce you to a new boy I just met. This is Julius of Ruscio.
4: Julius? You mean you and Julius...
2: You said it, Dad! <laughs>
13: Sure. Now that I'm practically your son-in-law, you are
7: not my son-in-law.
13: It's just a question of time. <laughs> now the first thing I'm going to do when I become vice president and charge of the Rexall radio program is to cut down on expenses. Now just a
4: minute, young man. Nobody asked you to change our radio program.
13: I know a way we can break Mr. Harris's
7: contract.
4: I don't care what you know about. You do, my
2: son. <laughs>
13: Too.
4: Well, let's go into the library and talk this mm-hmm. over. Hey, Mr. Scott, don't listen to him. Julius, what are you doing to me? Now, just what did you have in mind, my boy? Now,
13: now when I see it, Pop, all we gotta do Julius. is prove that these two guys have no talent, what shouldn't Julius. be hard. Julius. Keep
4: talking, boy. I love Julius.
13: your
2: style. <laughs>
14: Julius, do you really like Marjorie? Yeah, she's wonderful.
15: Now, wait a minute. Don't be too hasty, little pal. Margie's not for you. Just because she happens to have money, she.
13: Mr. Harris, do you think I'm the kind of a person who'd sell my soul for money?
15: Well, no, I... Do you I... think
13: I'd bother my affections for mercenary gain? No, I... Do you I... think I'm making love to this girl just so I can get my hands on her money? No. How do I have to phrase this to get him to say Yes. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Sam Spade, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast
0: Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.